So you're very welcome to the 59th edition of our NCBI Labs live event, our penultimate, <laughs> I'll get the, the word right, our penultimate show of the year. And uh, we have a great show lined up for you today with plenty to talk about throughout the show. I think you're particularly going to enjoy listening to our special guest this week. But before we introduce her, let's uh, let you know who else is joining us from NCBI Labs. Sean Doran has deserted us this week, although to be fair, it's with very good reason. He's got a, a number of projects ongoing at the moment, so he's got a pretty good reason for not being here. And uh, PJ Corcoran, formerly known as JP, he isn't with us either and for even better reason, but we look forward to having them both back with us on the show in the future. So without JP and Sean, our production team is basically down to Daniel doing pretty much everything today, but there's no need to worry about it because as we found out on our last live event, Daniel is part of the WOW network. This will be a doddle to you, Daniel, surely. Uh, I think I think I need the lads back. I'm not sure what buttons I'm hitting here and I hope everybody out there can hear me. <laughs> the, the WOW network is really going to be disappointing if we if we don't get this right, Daniel. <laughs> that's true, that's true. They're probably all looking in today. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here. I'd be doing everything. I can barely get a sentence out. So hopefully, hopefully we all go smoothly for the rest of it. Fingers so, crossed. Yeah, that's it. And if, if anything goes wrong, we'll just catch it in post-editing anyway, so it'll be grand. So also with us this week is a familiar voice from previous shows. Actually, he's probably a fairly uh, familiar device or a fa fairly familiar uh, voice to any of your smart speaker devices, who no doubt he's set off once or twice during some of his uh, smart speaker demos. It's Joe Lonergan. Good to have you with us, Joe. Thanks, Jude. Look forward to setting off a few more today. I think you have another demo for us later on, don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll try my best to Good behave stuff. myself. Yeah, that's it. We've yeah. warned everyone anyway, so that's it. The disclaimer's done. Good stuff. And last but not least from the labs team is Adela Bulliman, a live event debutante who somehow <laughs> has avoided the meet the team treatment so far, although it can't be far away now. That's something to look forward to, Adela. Hi, Jude. Uh, very excited to be here. <laughs> I'm sure you are. And uh, now that you've said that and we've got you on on uh, a recording where we know that we can bring you on to a meet the team. <laughs> I, I <laughs> might have, have a meeting with... every single week. At the yeah, period. that's it. Yeah, that's that's the way to do it. Get your excuse on, on tape as well. Record <laughs> that one. Yeah, excellent. Very good. So that's our NCBI panel with us this week. But what are they here to discuss? Well, in just a moment, we're going to be talking to our special guest this week. Leonie Watson is a director at Tetralogical, a company who are specialists in the field of accessibility and inclusivity. So we're going to be talking to Leonie about some of the key developments over the years that have contributed to accessibility, as well as what's happening now to make the World Wide Web as usable as possible to as many people as possible. Later on in the show, we're going to be talking about Black Friday deals. They're well and truly underway at the moment. So Daniel and Joe are going to be talking about some of the deals that are out this week. We're going to see if there's maybe one or two that you might be particularly interested in picking up as well. And of course, we're going to have our regular tech news and tech tips coming up a little bit later on as well. So plenty to look forward to on the show today. But before we get started, just a reminder of how you can get in touch if you have any questions or comments throughout the show. There's two main options. You can contact us by using the question panel on Microsoft Teams if you're connecting through Teams, or you can just email us at labs at ncbi.ie. So let's get on with the show. And as we mentioned earlier, this week we have Leonie Watson, Director of Tetralogical with us. You're very welcome, Leonie. Good to have you with us. 
Thank you, Jude. It's good to be here. Now, I, I've watched uh, quite a few of your presentations, Leone, and <laughs> quite a few on the team have actually watched a number of you. Not to not to put added weight on your shoulders here or to set <laughs> too much, but but we've maybe got a good idea about what what sort of subjects you you talk about. But maybe for those who don't know you, can we sort of start off by maybe just asking how you got started yourself in the field of accessibility? You can. The short answer is by accident. Uh, I was a web designer in the 90s. Uh, I lost my sight in 99 over 2000 through that year. Uh, and although you might think that's what prompted me to get interested in accessibility, uh, it, it wasn't. I had just taught myself how to use this thing called a screen reader that somebody had introduced me to. And I was getting the hang of using my computer without looking at anything. And I joined a forum for the JAWS screen reader users. And there was an email from someone at a new startup company who said, we've just built our very first website for our first client. And we followed these new web content accessibility guidelines 1.0, but the client hasn't got any budget for usability testing. So if any screen readers have got some time they'd be willing to spare, we'd really appreciate your feedback. And I remember thinking, well, I used to be a web designer, so sure, and I'm definitely a screen reader user now, so why not? Yeah. Uh, and I got in touch with them and, and got talking and uh, that company was Nomensa, a company that's still very much involved in the accessibility space and uh, accessibility was important to them. And uh, it turned out they were just up the road from where I lived. So we kept talking, I started working for them and, and kind of discovered this whole idea about how we can build technology, design it better for not just people like me who can't see, but everybody out there. Yeah, very good. Excellent. And that that really comes into the discussion that we're, we're going to have through through this as well. Um, we're we're going to listen to uh, one of your videos in just a moment. But before we do, it's kind of um, I think it's quite interesting. Just as I was looking through uh, a number of your your videos there, there's kind of various different advances along the way. You kind of give a little bit of a history of the various advances in technology that have made a real difference to accessibility. What would you say are some of the key ones? Um, that have allowed these accessibility and inc inclusivity functions to be more effective? So for me, I think probably the, the biggest change in the past 20 or so years has been the ability to talk to things more. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how you all feel, but I'm terrible at, at typing on my touchscreen uh, devices. I find it slow and yeah, really yeah. frustrating. So, you know, nine times out of 10, I'll, I'll use the dictate function to, to you know, speak a, a yeah. text message or, or whatever, because it's just quicker. Much worse quality, don't get me wrong. But yeah, it's, it's quicker, you know, and, and the same thing. I've got, you know, an echo in the house and I'll, I'll ask it what the time is. I'll set timers on it. It reminds me about meetings and the the ability just to get at the information I want so much more quickly than than I can through, you know, older yeah. means or other means I, I think that's huge yeah absolutely and and that's actually the the subject of the video that we're going to watch so we might watch that at the moment and we'll we'll revisit this in a moment now just to kind of let people know there's actually a, a range of these uh, videos presentations that leone has done that are available in various places but youtube as well and on your own um website as well leone which we'll we'll maybe ask you to give us the the details of that in a moment as well um, but just to kind of let people know that you can actually access access these yourselves. This is almost like a little bit of a taster for you. We're going to play the first, I think it's about nine minutes or so of one of the videos. It's wonderful to be here at Web Stories. 
And today, I would like to talk to you uh, about how the front end has changed. It's actually been changing without us really noticing for longer than you might think. But a big part of our front end now is no longer about pixels and color and layout and visual design, but it's about conversational design. And we're choosing our words and thinking about the way they sound and the way we say things as our new front end. So if you think about the title of this talk, Talking to Me, there are different ways that you could say that, depending on how you wanted to sound, perhaps who you were. If I was Hercule Poirot, I might, for example, say, you're talking to me, mon ami. If I was Yoda, I might say, talking to me, you are. And then, of course, there's the original growling, rasping, you talking to me, from De Niro in the film that this quote. So we are thinking now about conversation as our front end. But as I said, we've actually been thinking about talking with technology for longer than you might think. We go back to the 1960s. Uh, IBM had a computer called Shoebox. That's one of the first examples of our efforts to talk with technology, and perhaps more importantly, to have technology do something sensible in response. <laughs> Last year, an experimental machine that recognizes the human voice was introduced to the press by its inventor, William C. Dirsch, of the Advanced Systems Development Division. Our efforts to communicate with, that is, control machines, have resulted in a demonstration voice recognition machine capable of operating an adding machine. Shoebox 2, the name given to it because of its small size, recognizes the 10 spoken digits and in addition, six command words, six, seven, eight, plus, two, three, four, five, seven, eight, minus, subtotal. The machine has understood my voice and caused the adding machine to correctly perform these arithmetical operations. A machine that recognizes the human voice. Evidence of IBM's continued exploration into the technologies of tomorrow. Now, time and technology have moved on since then, and the next thing that really started to make a difference in terms of the front end of voice interfaces was voice XML, a W3C technology that was uh, created in the late 1990s, became a W3C standard for the first time in 2000. And as the name suggests, it's a variant of XML that enabled us to create a structure to conversational interfaces. So the front end for voice XML interfaces became a voice browser. You'll most often have come across these in the form of the telephone menuing services that it seems almost every company in the world now prefers to offer instead of a human being on the end of the phone. But instead of having a conventional browser in the ways that we're used to, Chrome, Firefox, Safari, we, in this case, have a voice browser. 
And the XML structure looks remarkably familiar. Uh, we have, for example, a prompt element. Prompt, the thing that the technology will say to us to well, prompt us for a response, is a very common theme in these uh, voice innovation uh, architectures. So in this case, there's just simply a prompt element that is the way of marking up what it is we want the technology to say to the human being. There's also a menu element in voice XML that enables the technology to give the human a range of different options. Uh, you might often know these as the, you know, select one. What unfortunately this has led to is far too many services that give us experiences that sound a lot like this. Hello and welcome to hell. Please press one to make the wrong choice. Press two to listen to elevator music. Press three if you've lost the will press zero to hear these options again. Because sadly, although the technology exists to create these things, the usability has often lacked a long way behind the technical capability. But all these things have the same thing in common. There is a basic architecture to a conversation, whether it's one human to another or technology to technology or technology to human. Somebody says something, they speak. Somebody else listens, they hear what's being said. They process what they've heard, they do something with that, and then they return a response that comes out usually in the form of speech. And that basic flow remains pretty unchanged when we translate from humans to technology. The technologies that we use to underpin that, though, are uh, several different things. The first is automatic speech recognition. This is the thing that lets technology listen to what we're saying and translate that speech into text. As is often the case, text is really the kind of the most uh, atomic level of information that these things deal with. Text is incredibly important. But this is just the start of the process. Uh, Apple have been working on automatic speech recognition for quite a long time, as have an awful lot of people. But they were one of the first to bring a product to market. Macintosh, open letter. Macintosh, print, letter. Macintosh, fax, letter. While everyone else is still trying to build a computer you can understand, Macintosh, shut down. We've built a Macintosh that can understand you. Goodbye. I'm still not actually convinced that any of us have got to the point where technology can really understand any of us, but uh, I live in, in, in optimism. So what happens to that text? Well, there's natural language processing. And this is the piece of the process that takes the text, takes what someone has said effectively, and translates it into machine data. So it puts it into a format and a structure that can be used for the processing, the thinking part of the process. That machine learning then is the bit that might respond to a query. It's, uh, you know, if you ask a technology perhaps to do some uh, arithmetic, it's the bit that will do the calculation. Uh, it might be, it will look up, you know, the general knowledge question you've asked, whatever it might be. This is the, the kind of the equivalent of the mental thought processes that a human has in a conversation. And then we reverse the process. Natural language generation takes the response from your machine learning processing and converts it back into text. We then have the last piece of the puzzle, which is text-to-speech. 
as the name suggests, this takes that text and converts it back into speech, completing the conversational loop. Uh, so we've had a complete round conversation. Someone said something, it's been taken, it's been responded to, and an answer has come back. Uh, Text-to-speech has been around for quite a long time as well. One of the earliest examples, again, comes from the 60s, uh, and this time in the form of an example from the Bell Laboratories. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer. I'm crazy, all for the love of you. And again, more recently, Amazon introduced the Echo. Uh, for any of you who have uh, Alexa devices, uh, this may now be a good time to turn them off. Very good, and uh, we're interrupted there, um, but that sounds like a good warning for Joel Lonergan's piece a little bit later on as well, so <laughs> <laughs> nice to double up on that. This must be a, a lovely um, interview for you to have, Leonie, to, to be able to sit back and listen to yourself to, <laughs> talking for nine minutes as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might think so, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> Yeah, it makes it, it makes it a little bit easier anyway. So it's a, a <laughs> great, really interesting um, set of videos, actually. Every time we were looking at them, it's, it's really interesting just to see how it's developed and explained really well. Um, but during the during some of those interviews or some of those um, presentations that you made, there was a number of concepts that came out. And actually what we might do as well, we'll bring um, Adela into the conversation here as well, because Adela works with um, NCBI Labs in sort of some of the work that maybe parallels some of your own, Leonie. So Adela will jump into the conversation where, wherever um, fits as well, if that's possible. But maybe I can just um, ask you about one or two of the, the concepts that kind of come up in some of your talks. I, I noticed on one of your talks, you spoke about the idea of accessibility being a creative challenge as opposed to a challenge to creativity. What What do you mean by that? So a common pushback against doing accessibility is that it means stuff's going to look bad, it's going to look boring, it's going to look ugly. Um, essentially that if something's accessible then all the good design stuff goes straight out of the window. And, and I think that's the wrong way to look at it. Uh, I actually can't take credit for that. It was a, a, a client I happened to be working with many, many years ago who actually came out with that line, but I just loved it so much that I've, I've borrowed it and reused it many times since. And it's, it's the idea that if we stop thinking about accessibility as a challenge to our creativity and flip that around, we can start to produce interfaces, products, services that are accessible and really good looking and in fact actually if we look around we've seen time and time again that constraint is actually a really useful thing in design terms some of the the most amazing designs and most beautiful things have been created under great constraint um, mm. you know Michelangelo's statue of David is a really good example uh, he actually got that commission because 40 years before somebody had failed to create the statue and by the time it was given to him they basically said look you've got to do this but you've only got two years to do it in and by the way you know we, we want David to be positioned like this and to look like this even down to you know how his nose was going to be sculpted yeah, yeah. and yet you know right. we've got something that has well and truly stood you know the test of time in terms of you know beautiful sculpture so you know it's it's all around this idea that actually a little bit of constraint is often a good thing for creativity and certainly there's no reason why accessible and beautiful can't go hand in hand together. 
it kind of motivates the creative or spurs on the creative process quite quite a bit mm -hmm. then from yeah it's interesting we were actually just chatting it's about this yesterday yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a prejudice I've never really understood because I personally when I look at a site I love when there's like you know a white background and very little text and nice little headings and no things that scroll randomly or appear or carousels or anything like that Adele is not a fan of carousels. We were talking about I, that yesterday. <laughs> I think anyone who knows me knows I hate carousels. How quickly am I meant to read? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And yeah. Especially doing accessibility audits. Anytime I see a carousel and I know how I have to use mm -hmm. JAWS on that site, I want to cry because I just know yeah. it's going to be so terrible. So is that kind of what, what you what you're getting at as well with this, Leone, is that there's OK, so there's a, a challenge and there's a, a, a an issue, if you like, that can present. A, it could be looked at as an obstacle, if you like. But now here mm -hmm. within this constraint, here's the, the problem. Now, how are we going to find a solution to that? Yeah, absolutely. Very yeah, much so. that. Yeah, it's an interesting one. You also have another one that you, you talk about. And uh, again, this is kind of quite an interesting one for people as they as they listen to to uh, some of your videos. You mentioned on one of them the idea of perfect being the enemy of good. Mm -hmm. How does that apply? <laughs> uh, so uh, this is about the idea that I think there are lots of people out there, lots of people I've met, lots of people I talk to that really want to do more accessibility. And every time they try and make a start, they just become more and more aware about how much there is to learn and how much the decisions they make can affect people, really affect people. Um, you know, and, and I think people kind of get a bit scared by that. Uh, and that's OK. So really, that idea came out of just wanting to reassure people, look, learn one thing, choose to do one thing a bit differently every day and keep building up your knowledge and and before you know it you'll have made you know really big strides towards accessibility so don't think about all the things you've got to learn and all the things that you've got to try and do uh, you know it doesn't have to be perfect it just has to be a little bit better than it was yesterday and just yeah, yeah don't worry too much essentially there's almost a, an element of psychology in that anyway isn't there because mm. it's like yeah if you take on a big task and you you'll only do it if you get it absolutely spot on you'll never even right. start it Absolutely. Yeah. But I think uh, when it comes to accessibility, particularly, you know, people because they're aware of the human impact, you know, on 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 making the wrong decision, it, you know, it could well mean that someone cannot use your product or service, um, you know, and yeah. depending on the product or service you're working on, that could be, you know, a very detrimental thing socially, you know, if you're, you know, working on an emergency service product or, you know, yeah, yeah. passport renewal or something, you know, important to a person's life. So I think that that adds weight to, you know, the worry that people have um, and yeah. that leads to a kind of inertia, but it shouldn't do um, because every yeah. change you make for the, the good will help someone for the good. So that's worth doing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, yeah, if, if, if everybody was easily put off by, by that idea of it having to be spot on, we wouldn't be where we are at the moment and being able to have the features that we have at the moment. So exactly. yeah, it's, a, it's an yeah, important one. Nothing in the history of technology ever yeah. has been perfect. So why we should have tried to apply that to accessibility is, yeah, yeah doesn't yeah. make any sense. Wouldn't you love to be that inventor who sees the final thing absolutely perfectly in your mind and can get, <laughs> have the confidence yeah. of getting there straight away first attempt? Uh -huh. Yeah, that'd be good. Just kind, of, just kind of balancing that out. So that's sort of one side and a principle that kind of 
maybe encourages people to to try and get into it at least. But there's also the the other side of it that if somebody is trying to maybe make their site more accessible, the law of unintended consequences. How does that kind of apply or balance out what we've just been talking about? Oh, all the time. Um, you know, <laughs> because none of us can know everything. Uh, you know, and, and that again is is true of accessibility. It's but it's true of you know every aspect of, of designing and building technology. Um, we're talking about complex systems and, and there are always unintended consequences. You make a decision and it's not until sometime later that you suddenly realize, yeah, yeah. damn it, <laughs> completely got that wrong. Uh, you know, and, and even people like myself who've been working in accessibility for you know, a couple of decades now, there is tons I don't know. There are people I go yeah, to yeah. to find out different stuff because there's just too much for any one person to, to really know and understand. And that's OK. So you just do what you always do with these things. Try to limit you know, the odds of making the wrong decision. But yeah, yeah. if you discover you have, deal with it. Uh, that's the best yeah. we can do. That's all we can ever do. It's funny. I kind of remember it's years since I did anything to do with coding. And I know that kind of there's so many more things that people can use to create websites these days anyway but just even from from my very ancient memory of coding i remember if i put the one line in the wrong place i might have put it in but it's it it's treat it was treated very differently depending on where i put it in it so i might have been trying to do the right thing but mm -hmm. actually i've preceded something else that needed to happen first and it was just throwing everything into chaos it could break something that was working absolutely beautifully beforehand but i had one new feature in the wrong place and it was it wasn't working. Is that the kind of thing that we're talking about? Yeah, very much so. Um, particularly, you know, HTML is incredibly important to assistive technologies like screen readers and speech recognition tools. And yeah, you know, yeah. the order you put those elements in, that can make a really big difference. The choice of element that you use makes a huge difference to 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 both groups of people who use those technologies. But the thing you can do is get used to testing your stuff with both those technologies you know like there's a good chance you probably check it in a few different browsers you maybe even check it on a couple of different devices different screen sizes just get yourself into the habit of, of checking you know with just a keyboard with with a screen reader uh, it'll take a bit of learning to kind of get into the habit of doing it but it's it's again quite possible you've already learned to do the difficult stuff by building something <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, learning how to test it in different situations and with different tech is 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 more than achievable by by people in this industry so do that and if stuff starts to sound a bit peculiar yeah. check in with someone who's got more experience you know validate yeah. it but do what you always do course correct yeah. and move on yeah absolutely and and it is it is so much easier to catch something at, at that stage as well than if, if it's kind right. of built up around it yeah. um maybe we can talk just for a little bit about um the work with the w3c um just for for anybody who's not sure of, of what the w3c is can you just tell us a little bit about it and what it's all about what its goals are Sure. So it stands for the World Wide Web uh, Consortium, uh, hence uh, W3C, and it was created back in the early 90s by Tim Berners-Lee, the person who invented the web as we know it. And it's uh, an organisation that is uh, a membership of many different companies, about 400 or more at the, the, the present count. Uh, Everybody from small companies like mine through to the large well-known brands like Google, Apple, Microsoft, Mozilla. And everybody works on 
what we loosely call web standards. So they're the organization that produces the web content accessibility guidelines, if you've come across those. Um, they also produce things like CSS, SVG, um, JavaScript APIs for all sorts of different things like web payments, um, the vibration API, push lock. I could go on. There are many, many of yeah. them, but most of the, the technologies that you use in the front end um, you know, to, to to design and build things uh, probably had their origins or, or are still maintained at the W3C. So an awful lot of the things that actually enable um, a, a website to be accessible for somebody is going to have been covered from a guideline that the W3C has established at some point. Is that just talking about, like, for example, site loss accessibility? <laughs> Uh, no, so the web content accessibility guidelines aim to cover all disabilities. Um, they could do better, to be honest with you, with cognitive disabilities, but the next generation version three that will be coming along mm. in a few years time aims to to do something about that. But there are checks in there for you know all kinds of disabilities, uh, physical, visual, hearing and, and to some extent cognitive. So it aims to be pretty balanced. And the nice thing about the W3C is that all the other specs, the other standards, uh, that it works on, even the ones not relating to accessibility, they all undergo an accessibility review before they're published. So, uh, you know, even if it's something like HTML or CSS or something that in and of itself has nothing directly to do with accessibility, but still has an impact, uh, that gets reviewed. And if there are any accessibility concerns with it, the idea is they'll get fixed before you know a standard gets officially endorsed. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think it's quite interesting just to to hear about some of this because for the, the average everyday user of the internet, even if you rely on some of the accessibility features, it's not necessarily the case that we'd be aware of um, w what goes into that and what causes it to be actually accessible and you know mm -hmm. how much work has gone on in the past. Just talking about that, the web content accessibility guidelines, um, Adelo kind of works with with those quite a bit as well. So Adela might come into some of this, but is, is there any of the um, guidelines that you can kind of, and I, I'm not sure if this, if it works quite this way, this is this is why Adela is with me today as well, because Adela's <laughs> got a little bit more experience with this, but just does it work this way that there's kind of, is there specific guidelines that you can give us an example of and say, look, here's a guideline, here is the effect that it has, and without this guideline, it wouldn't be accessible. Uh, sure, I, I'm, I'm sure Adele's got plenty of examples too, but we could start right at the very beginning. So the very first um, guideline says that uh, for any content that isn't text, there needs to be a text alternative. So the first thing you need to check is if you've got an image on the page, is there a text alternative so that someone like me who can't see the image can still understand what it's there for, what it contains, what its purpose is? So that right from the very beginning is 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 how it works. It it takes a type of content or a piece of content and says, right, if this is the situation, what do you need to do to make it accessible? So in the case of an image, you need to provide the text description so someone who can't see the image still gets what it's all about. Mm. Interesting, and, yeah. And how important do you think the these guidelines have actually been to the process of making the internet as as accessible as can be? I think they've been very, very useful. I, I do think that somewhere along the line we forgot that there's the word guidelines in the title. Um, and, you know, they've been incorporated into legislation all around the world and, and they've sort of become, you know, very hardline accessibility almost. And, and I, I do think that maybe 
hasn't turned out quite so well as we hoped it's done. But but in and of themselves, they've been hugely influential. You know, they are they are pretty much the go to set of guidelines for anybody who wants to to design and build things in accessible ways or, you know, for someone like um, you, Adela, who, who, you know, assesses websites for accessibility, you know, they're almost always the set of guidelines that we use to say to to another person or a company. Yeah, you know, you're doing OK. Or actually, not so much. You've got a bunch of things to fix. Yeah. Would it, would you see like which guidelines would be more most important to you? Because like me personally, I see the same like kind of four issues would be the <laughs> the majority of bugs that would come up on a website and they're the ones I always go back to. But do, does that mean that someone could really zone in on a few big points and, and make a site majorly accessible if maybe they don't have the time or the money to make something fully perfect? Uh, yes, and I think the W3C, you know, has has done something around this. They came up with a set of 10 easy checks, uh, which they, they describe as your sort of first introduction to accessibility. And they, they've taken 10 of the guidelines. Uh, and I think actually between them, they are a pretty good start for doing exactly what you've just suggested. You know, they cover things like keyboard accessibility, which covers a huge number of people, sighted keyboard users, not sighted ones, all kinds of assistive technologies and, and so on. There's stuff in there about, you know, how um, images are presented. Uh, I think they've got some in there about, uh, you know, moving and distracting and flashing content, which can be problematic for both partially sighted people and people with different cognitive disabilities. So, yeah, I think it's a good idea to simplify and start somewhere. And and, and those 10 checks are as, as good a place to start as any. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, it's interesting just to to hear that, because even for, for me, I don't I don't do a lot of that working. So it's kind of it's interesting just to to hear that you can actually scale it down and get some of the, the key parts right. Are there are there some very obvious ones like the, the ones that you mentioned there at Adela a moment ago? What what would be the kind of four issues that, that you find in your work? Um, the biggest. So first of all, alt, alt text on images. People don't tend to put in alt text. Um, labeling on interactive elements like buttons or so on you'll see you'll go on a site and there'll be 10 times you'll you'll see a button that says read more but the some of with site loss that can just be really difficult to understand what you're reading more about having a label on that would would make everything so much easier because it would say read more about the live event or 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 so on yeah. but these are always the um issues that kind of come up a lot and what i think is really interesting is that if people code it in a way that you're meant to almost and um, mm -hmm. the way you learn when you go to college and your professors like oh you need to put a name and you need to put all text and all that and if you stick to those kind of good coding practices you actually end up being quite accessible and um, so that was always interesting to me the fact that developers don't seem to kind of stick to those good coding practices anymore yeah that that is quite interesting because even from the element of kind of universal design that it's not you're not trying to build in yeah. accessibility afterwards where possible you're trying to yeah. just make it inherent in the in the process it's quite, and e quite even just in terms of seo and and coming up mm. as much as possible when people search for you um it's good to have those practices anyway but yeah. I, I am glad accessibility is becoming more common because i think it, it'll help in a lot of ways on a lot of different people yeah absolutely yeah and and obviously the more compliance there is uh, there's kind of um 
there's requirements obviously on on websites now, but just in terms of the, the more compliance there is, then the the, uh, the more people are able to actually access the the information that somebody has spent time and effort and work actually putting up there in the first place. So, yeah, it's interesting just to to talk about some of those. If somebody was to want to find out a little bit more about those guidelines or to get a little bit more information on them or advice, what what would they be able to do? Uh, well, you could go and have a look at the guidelines, but I'm not sure I'd necessarily recommend that as your starting <laughs> point. Um, unfortunately, they are not the best written things you ever came across. Um, right. So when you go and take a look at them first off, they can seem pretty overwhelming and, and, and quite confusing. But there are a lot of really good blogs out there that have all sorts of posts that cover, you know, introductions, primers, uh, even down to a sort of deep dive on, on some of the different guidelines or or the individual checks as well. So yeah, just just take a look. There's a lot of good information out there. Just searching will turn up tons of different things that will will give you an entry point that suits you. Excellent. Yeah. And as always, if anybody's looking for more information on that, you can always get in touch with us on labs at ncbi.ie and we can uh, try and point you in the right direction as well with, with some of those things. Leonie, it's been interesting just talking to you um, about some of the, obviously we've kind of stayed away from overly technical elements of it, um, but what would you say, like as you're kind of taking the, the work that you've been involved in for the last number of years, what would you say is the thing that kind of gives you the most satisfaction in your work? Uh, seeing something get better. It's really as simple as that, and that hasn't really changed at all. Um, there's something very, very satisfying about working on something directly or helping an organization or a team take a look at the thing that they're building or that they're responsible for and kind of pulling it apart and putting it back together in ways that work yeah. better for more people. It's just really nice. Uh, and, you know, it's not often, I think, you know, many of us get to say we're in a job that, that really does some good in the world um, and, mm. and it's really nice to to have a job that that does that and you know to work with great people that really want to try and make a difference yeah. doesn't always work we don't always succeed technology is complicated there are budgets there are deadlines there are lots of different pressures but but just to be amongst people who are trying to to make a difference is great to see them mm -hmm. succeed is even better mm. you oh, yeah. you mentioned a little earlier about the legislation as well and mm. uh not everyone listening might know about them, but it, it's a kind of law that's come in, I think, in the whole EU um, that government bodies and public state uh, funded bodies should be should have their websites be accessible. Do you think this is like helped in any way towards accessibility or has it m more scared people a little <laughs> bit? So it's interesting. We've had legislation actually in this country that covers everybody, public, private sector for 25 years, 26 years now. Um, but it doesn't specifically say what standard of accessibility you have to meet. Um, the legislation that, that you're talking about came in in what, 2018 and it was very specific. It said you had to meet uh, what's known as double A standard from the web content accessibility guidelines. Yeah. And I think I think if I look at the past two or three years, you know, there was a huge rush to meet the first deadline, which was when websites, public facing websites for these organizations had to be accessible. We got you know, lots of queries coming in to, to my company saying, can you help, can you help, can you help? Mm -hmm. and, and then by the time the second deadline came along, which was internal systems, intranets and, you know, tools that employees are using, there was 
still quite a bit of a rush, but it wasn't really, you know, that sort of hectic. And then the third and last deadline came past, which was all mobile apps had to be made accessible and it kind of went past with barely a mention. And I think the problem is, is that it's all very well saying, you know, you've got to meet these standards. But the problem is, is what happens if, if somebody doesn't? You know, you can't suddenly take down yeah. a central government website. You can't even take down a tiny little, you know, borough council website because too many people need that to be there. They they rely on it. So you end up with this sort of, so what problem? Uh, we don't live in the United States where you're going to get sued for goodness knows what. And yeah. actually, I'm kind of quite glad about that in most respects. But it, it does mean that the, our, our legislation is a little bit without teeth in Europe and, yeah. and the UK and, and perhaps a bit too much to the other extreme of the US. We could do with just yeah, a few more gnashes in there, maybe. Mm. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, and I'd say though, when you when you do see the progress in that as well, while it causes its own frustration, that's that's probably to a degree a source of satisfaction as well. When you do see if there there's developments in legislation, even though it's imperfect at the moment in terms mm -hmm. of actually getting it done, that must be quite a satisfying thing to see as well. It is, and, and you know, if for no other reason than it that it gives everybody a bit of a prod, yeah, um, and gives it some more visibility, you know, however briefly, uh, that can only be a good thing, you know. Yeah. The more yeah. people that turn their attention to it, let's absolutely. take the win and and yeah, keep going. Yeah, I, I I am glad the legislation's come in, but I think if you look at America and a lot of the kind of plugins or companies that work with accessibility, they really push the fact that please be accessible or you will be sued for discrimination. And mm -hmm. and I kind of don't like that concept because it takes away yeah. from the fact that actually, no, this was about helping people and equality. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what your opinion might be on that, Leonie. No, I think you're right. Uh, and then there's sort of lots of problems that emerge out of that kind of culture. One is that they're seeing a massive increase in what I can only describe as ambulance chasing cases. Um, you know, uh, lawyers who run a quick automated test, which is okay, but imperfect generally, they'll then send a, you know, threatening letter to the organization saying, look, we found issues on your website and here's the report to prove it. And, and they have no intention of actually going to court. They, they barely have any intention of representing anybody legitimate. Um, they just want to settle out of court for maybe, you know, five, ten thousand dollars move on to the next one. And that's not, not healthy. Um, I think, yeah. you know, th there's another problem in, and you mentioned, I think, Adela, the, you know, these sort of overlays and tools that are busy selling themselves as a protection against being sued. Uh, they're actually nothing of the sort, if, if anything, they're, you know, yeah. causing as many problems, uh, both legally speaking and from a user experience point of view. But again, you know, the fact that, that, that the legal situation has led to so, you know, the yeah. prolific I think nature a, a of these lot, a tools. Lot of the plugins have great kind of um, advertising as well, where they kind of say, oh, we'll fix every single <laughs> problem you have. But um, it's it's really not the mm -hmm. case. And I think I read one of your um, articles as well about like the lack of security and GDPR around some of them as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I was uh, yeah pretty, pretty horrified to discover quite how much data that one of those tools was was collecting about me as an individual where they had absolutely no need to collect 90 percent yeah. of it so yeah you're absolutely right Adela then they're, they're not a good good advancement yeah. in our industry I, I'm glad you agree I thought I might be a bit biased as a manual accessibility <laughs> tester <laughs> no. not at all and you're not alone um, if you haven't come across it before there's the overlay fact sheet 
www.accessibilitymonitor.com where I think now close to 600 people from, from across the accessibility community have signed it to say, look, this is what's wrong with, with this situation. So you're definitely not alone. Yeah, that's good Very to know. Good. Yeah, that's good to know. It's really interesting chatting to you, Leonie, and uh, it's been interesting just hearing your your views on some of these things and also just the development, your vast experience with it as well. We're kind of um, we're probably pushing the time a little bit here. We've kept you longer than we said we would, but maybe just <laughs> before we let you go, could we could we ask you just um, what are your expectations or, or hopes for the next few years in terms of advancements that might be made? Hi. Uh... I think really the thing I would most like, two things actually, I would like conversational interfaces to get better. Um, at the moment, we, we're living in a bit of a bubble where we all expect talking to technology to be like it is in Star Trek. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and the underlying technology just isn't there. And I actually don't think people who are you know designing these interfaces have really got to grips with how to do the proper design kind of flow on them either. So I hope mm. that will really improve. The other solution I would like us to find, and this is a much bigger one, and it's going to take a lot of research and some very deep pockets, is how to make um, virtual reality or, or XR, as it's known on the web, accessible to more people with disabilities. There's lots of pockets of research going on, but it, it's just huge. It's such a paradigm shift from everything we've tried before that, um, yeah, there's a whole ton of work to do. But I'm mostly envious because at the moment, as a yeah. blind person, just nothing I could do to get yeah, yeah. involved in that and I miss it I want to know what it's like yeah. so yeah that's that's the thing I want to I want to get solved in the next few years but well, I'll we'll tell see. you what in a few years time when we start to see some of these advances we'll have to have you back with us on the show as well it's been brilliant talking <laughs> yeah, to you you're on <laughs> I really appreciate you coming mm. on to the show today certainly appreciate the insight into all the work that goes on behind the scenes to make sure that what we get is actually inclusive and accessible and the developments that could still happen. So thank you yeah, again. It's been really, really interesting. Great. It's good to talk to you, Jude, and you too, Adela. Thank you. Lovely to have you with us on the show. So really enjoyed that uh, chatting to Leonie Watson, uh, Director of Tetralogical there. And uh, I'm glad to have had Adela with me on the call there as well. So thanks for joining in there, Adela. Thanks for having me on. That was that was great. <laughs> Don't, don't worry, really we'll definitely have you back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll make that promise and combine promise and threat at the, at the same time here. We'll have you back. <laughs> Good. Good stuff. So that was uh, Leonie Watson and lovely to, to talk about that. If you want to listen back to that, of course, don't forget you can uh, listen back on YouTube or any of your uh, podcast platforms that you normally access the live events on and uh, you'll find that very interesting. But we're going to move on now with our show. We're going to move into the Black Friday sales and uh, Daniel and Joe are going to be talking about that with us just before we start looking at some of the specific de deals here. Um, can I ask um, just Daniel and Joe, maybe start with Joe here. Just can you give us your overall impression of Black Friday um, these days, kind of recent years? Is it is it as good as it used to be? Um, hi, Jude. Um, no. I, I don't think Black Friday is what what it used to be. Um, it it's still there, I suppose, as a marketing ploy to get people in a frenzy and um, buy stuff before. Um, and America, I suppose, uh, it, it all started and it's coming up to. I think people give presents on Thanksgiving and stuff like that. But um, I don't think it is what it used to be. And there was a which article which which reviews um, products, uh, technology yeah. technology products mostly. 
they had an article up that said um, nine out of ten things that are in Black Friday have been either the uh, same price or cheaper in the previous six months. But some of the reasons because of that, uh, some of the reasons for that is um, there's all sorts of different sales at different times of the year. Summer sales, January sales, um, little pop-up sales, all this kind of stuff. Amazon have loads of different sales all times of the year. So I suppose yeah. that's some that's part of the reason for that. But um, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the people that are biggest into the Black Friday probably is Amazon and some of the other technology companies um, mm. and the computer shops and, and electrical stores. They're, they're the people that are biggest into it, really. Yeah. So uh, that's Very probably good. where you'll get more, more, most of your deals, you know. So a lot of the deal, deals that you guys have been looking at have been ones that are actually, they're actually deals and they're actually decent prices as opposed to maybe the, the big flashy things that might mm. seem like, you know, 40% off, but actually it was that price. Already yeah, well, it's, this year. well, it's difficult to find um, like really good deals, you know what I mean? But yeah. we, we, we found some and um, it's all down to the individual, really. If you want to go and find yeah. something there yourself, you will have to get on Amazon or Google or Corey's yeah, yeah. PC World, that kind of thing. So it's, it's up to the individual. But we'll just give you a taster of, of some of yeah, the things to look absolutely. for. What, what I might do then is I'll hand the floor over to, to you both. If I hand over to to Daniel for the moment and you're going to take us through some of the, the deals that are available. Yes, uh, Jude. So um, we've been out uh, shopping this morning, I suppose, and uh, unfortunately we didn't have the company credit card with us. So uh, all we could do is what we call down the country tire kick and have a bit of window, window shopping. shopping. <laughs> so um, I suppose, first of all, uh, something a bit close to home with our audience is the Orcam offers that uh, Sight and Sound have. And um, there's quite a good deal on uh, at the moment the Orcam My Eye Smart, the Orcam My Eye Pro, and there's also the Orcam Smart Read. So the three of those products from Orcam are on offer. And I suppose, Joe, I'll, I'll um, tell the audience a little bit about what these products do. Um, the My Eye Smart, now that contains, um, basically it's a camera, I suppose it sits on to either your existing spectacle uh, glass frames or you get a, a, um, a frame included in the box. And the camera basically, it does reads text and uh, smart reading features. So that's included in, that's what you get with the uh, My Eye Smart. There is a more advanced one then, as well as the name suggests, you've got the uh, My Eye Pro, which contains obviously all the features that the smart does. But what it also does into the bargain is it recognizes faces, identifies products, uh, bank notes, uh, such as your euro notes, uh, some foreign currencies as well, uh, barcodes, uh, color identifier, telling the times and uh, some orientation uh, features as well. Now, so I suppose this is where the um, the savings come in, the My Eye Smart, so that's the first one I spoke about, just a basic text reading feature and smart reading feature. That was retailing at 3,240, it's now down to 2,988, so um, a little over 250 euro to be saved on that particular purchase. Uh, the My Eye Pro, uh, which is the one that comes with all the bells and whistles, quite a substantial reduction here. It's down from 4,560 down to 3,588. So quite, quite a bit of a saving there. And then the uh, Read Smart, which is a handheld device for reading text off paper. And that's down from 2,520 down to 2,100. 
So that's what I found with um, Sight and Sound on the Arcams. Quite good offers there uh, for someone who was seriously considering uh, purchasing a unit. You know, so there, there, it, it is um, time, I suppose, if you want to grab a save and to uh, grab it now. Um, <clears throat> then we went to Amazon, um, Joe, we, the Echo Dot, yeah. a, a device close to your heart. Echo Dot, yeah, it's, it's a great um, smart speaker you know so um anyone that's a fan of uh that kind of device um they're roughly i think they seem really cheap on something like the 12 uh sterling 12 uh, 12 um pounds so that'd be converted over to euros probably 15 probably 15 or 16 euros you know yeah. so you can get them as cheap as that now um most of the different echo models are down uh, roughly half price and um, Amazon Fire Sticks are something like 25 euros off as well. So uh, that's the yes. kind of deals. But it might um, sometimes some sometimes deals are a little bit different for different people as they can give you exclusive deals as well. So if you log into your account, prices might be sometimes they're a little bit different for different people. So um, they might so offer you a better deal on certain loyalty, products. Joe? Uh, well, kind of customer loyalty thing. I, I think they i wouldn't call it customer loyalty it's probably uh, depends on what products you normally buy off them and they'll say look we'll uh, give maybe pin out a few exclusive deals for certain customers but um uh, i don't think it's called customer loyalty as such they call it that your your amazon exclusive deals but um, okay. maybe probably, it's, uh, maybe it's their version of customer loyalty they're tracing what you buy and suggesting. Yeah, a bit, of an, a bit of an algorithm involved, I think, you know, an algorithm to suggest, make suggestions on, on the type of products that you normally buy. So, yeah, sometimes. I was wondering why, Joe, because you did you did say there the dot was going for uh, £12 sterling. And when I logged in, they were only giving it to me for £19 sterling. So obviously they, they like you more, Joe. <laughs> Maybe that would do it. It could have, this was a check yesterday now, so price can change, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, smart plugs there, I've seen Amazon smart plugs for, they were 12.50 or something as well, sterling. So, yeah, um, yeah so prices uh, go, up and go up or down. And um, as I said, certain prices can be a little bit different for different people, but yeah. general, in general, there is a general price. Yeah, um, I suppose um, being, being uh, familiar to Amazon, um, now not everybody might be, Familiar with them, but um, if you are considering shopping on, on Amazon, uh, their site is that's most used through Ireland is the Amazon.co.uk, which by uh, its name check does suggest it's the, it's the UK based. So um, I suppose it's important maybe to find out about this where it comes now that um, the UK are outside the European Union. So there is a little bit of a, a change to how we maybe would have shopped before. Not right, Joe? Yeah, um, so you may, some products you may buy, um, you could get an email later on to say you might pay um, something like five euros customs and it depends um, what uh, price range you're going for. So if it's under 50 euros, either, um, like you could get an email about paying five euros customs. Um, so be wary of that. Uh, some people might think emails that come in from on post or whoever's delivering the stuff uh, it could be a scam email, but then you realize you don't get the product. You will have to click on a link and pay your customs on certain products. You'll mm. find out you'll find out afterwards fairly quickly after you um, order a product. It could be a day or two after you order a product, you get an email about. But um, there is some products that are exempt as well. So um, just uh, look at the, 
delivery option in term condi- terms and conditions before you purchase the product. Yeah, that, that's a, that's and a very so, good. And some of your Amazon emails as well, uh, they did send emails out to everybody just to give them some so buyer beware tips, you know, just about the yeah. uh, customs and the uh, VAT, the in- different between English VAT, English VAT and the Irish VAT, 23% for Irish people, 21% I think for 20, yeah, 20, 20, 20, 20 in the UK. Yeah, 20 in the UK. Indeed, yeah. yeah, go back to that Amazon dot thing. Different, the prices I've given for the dots could be different. There's, there's um, second generation and third generation as well. So um, the £12 one could have been for the second generation, whereas the £19 one could have been for the third generation dot. Uh, uh, you're going back, that's, that might be might have been a difference there. But um, as I said, uh, look, it'll, um, have a have a good browse through the offers and uh, you might find one that suits, suits um, uh, yourself. Yeah, indeed. And Joe, um, the, for some people, maybe with a, an Alexa or an Echo Dot already, um, you know, if, if they're uh, regular customers of Amazon, they might have a couple of deals directly to their speaker. Um, yeah, so um, I can, uh, um, I could, would you want me to show you that now or we'll leave that at the end? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, um, yeah, we'll work we'll, away. We'll, we'll have, we'll yeah, have it as part of our tip, yeah, we'll, tip here. Well, yeah, yeah we'll do, so for example, yeah. you can uh, shop for stuff just with your with your speaker. You can enable it in, in settings to actually send it to you. I don't do that, but it's probably a bit more safer to go on go online afterwards, after you've put it into your basket and um, you can double check, uh, make sure you have the right delivery address and all that kind of stuff um, yeah. set up because I, I have a couple of delivery addresses on, on my account. So um, I, I prefer just to put it in the basket and then go on and complete the transaction online. But you can say things to your smart speaker. I'll press the button on top. Rather than activating everybody's speaker, I'll press the circular button on top. And <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say, and then I'll ask the question. So I'll say, um, what uh, Black Friday deals are exclusive to me? Here are the top Amazon deals. Amazon Smart Plug works with Alexa. After Alexa exclusive savings of £2. It's £12.99, including that. With delivery by the 2nd of December, you can say, add to basket. Or Next. Here is your next deal. LifeX Mini B22. Wi-Fi Smart LED Light Bulb. Multicolor. After Alexa exclusive savings of £9.98, it's £24.99, including that. With delivery by the 2nd of December, you can say, add to basket, or next. Add to basket. Okay, I added it to your Amazon basket for a view to purchase. Say, buy it now. To hear another deal, say, next. Next. Here is your next deal. Panasonic wet and dry cordless epilator with eight attachments. It's seventy-five pounds. Stop. So a Panasonic epilator. I don't know how that got in there, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so uh, yeah, you get the idea. So you can, um, you can send it to your basket. You can then you can go onto Amazon.co.uk and you can. Uh, read the description of the product or whatever you want and mm. complete the transaction. And as I said, if you set it up, set that up properly, you can actually buy the product straight from the speaker and be sent to your address. Um, That's very good. I, I, I like to uh, check it out, maybe read a couple of reviews, whatever, that kind of thing. So you see mm. there's a Lifex, great brand of um, uh, smart light bulbs. Even, mm. Apple's, even Apple have them for sale in their shops down to 35 
pounds sterling. Mm. Um, so that's that's the kind of deals, and apparently that's exclusive to me. I'd love to see what other people's price they they get that for. Um, yeah, so they, they're um, uh, bigging it up and making it exclusive to me. But that's that's what they say, and uh, uh, it's it's a deal anyway. It's at least it's a few bob off. I think it's actually twenty four pounds sterling down from thirty five pounds sterling. That's they're the kind of. Black Friday deals are getting, and I, I, I know, I know. Maybe in previous sales they were probably the same, but that's what they are for Black Friday. So you get the idea. It can be handy, and you can also ask the speaker to search for a certain product, and it'll maybe narrow it down to a couple of options. And you can also go go through it and say next, or you can maybe say that's not the right product and uh, ask for it again by a different name or whatever. You know, so you can you can also do a lot through the smart speaker without going online and um, browsing. Safari yeah. or um, Google Chrome, or if you are having difficulties that way, at least you, at least you can browse some of the details with just with your smart speaker, which makes it quite kind of um, easy, you know. That's that's it's fantastic, you know. Um, I'm just thinking for somebody maybe that you know is planning to get a couple of things together, just add about three or four items there into the basket. Right, get onto the laptop, uh, get in on the site, and it, it's all there in the basket. You can review it, make sure it's right, and if you're happy with what's there buy now and you're good to go and you're out the gap instead of browsing around maybe it could, it could make you know what could be a, an hour and a half shopping experience turn into half an hour exactly like you know yeah. it's, it's certain especially for things like um smart plugs that you don't have to spend time looking at loads smart plug does what it does it says in the thing yeah. you know what i mean so like for example i uh, putting up the Christmas tree soon. Instead of reaching around the Christmas tree looking for that plug and getting prodded by all the pine cones, <laughs> at least uh, we can uh, say to the smart speaker, "Turn off the Christmas tree." You know what I mean? When you're going to bed yeah. or whatever. So that that's a useful thing for a smart plug, and and the cheaper you get them, the better, of course. Exactly, exactly. Um, I suppose staying with the online retailers, um, the Ring.com website, um. Uh, they do the ring doorbells and yeah. I came across um, their entry level doorbell with a power adapter included for 49.99 a saving of 35 euro um, maybe can you tell us a little bit more about the um, ring doorbells Joe yeah so ring doorbells um, they're as far as I know, they're a company that are owned by Amazon as well so they will connect to your smart speaker I actually have one myself I can say things like um, Alexa, talk to the front door. Okay. And then it listens. Alexa, stop. And then it listens to uh, the ambient side and now he's outside. Or if somebody is outside, they can you can um, identify them by saying who's there or um, whatever you know so you can you can kind of screen the people before you enter the door so that's the idea of a, a ring video doorbell um yeah that, that by connecting to your smart speaker it makes it very accessible you can also connect it to your phone and have it on the ring app on your iphone that kind of thing so yeah that's a product I, i'd also recommend if uh, people are interested in smart doorbells um they also have smart security cameras you'll see they have 52 percent off smart security cameras with motion sensors and um, as far as I know, there's microphones on those as well, so you could uh, listen to, listen out to what's going on at home uh, if you're away. And um, yeah. uh, I suppose yeah, just, just might, for security, for security reasons, t ten euros a month, you can actually even record stuff that's going on outside your house and inside your house. So it's it's a good security option, also rather than paying for some companies which are extortionate prices. So that that might be an option for people. Very good. Um, 
after that, after that show, I went across to Microsoft and and Microsoft uh, Surface Pro I found uh, directly on on their site. Uh, I just get it here at the moment. Yeah, the, <laughs> sorry. Uh, the starting price is now seven thirty four down. I think from nine twenty nine, and um, they're given the, obviously the free upgrades to Windows eleven as well. If um, if you, if you get that, uh, if you get that, of course you yeah. can configure the you can configure them. They will say when you go on their site at first. That they're giving you savings up to five up to five hundred and ten, but their actual basic model you're getting one hundred and eighty five euro off, so it's nine nineteen down to seven three four. Surface Pro, in your opinion, Joe? Yeah, excellent. Um, uh, kind of a hybrid tablet, um, laptop. Um, and you can connect uh, Bluetooth keyboards to it, and um, it's it's really good. It's like a it's a full version of Windows installed. Um, mm. works really well at office and. Uh, I've never had an issue with. I, I have one myself, and I, I don't never found an issue with it being working slowly. Uh, has a solid state drive, uh, plenty of RAM yeah. on it usually, and um, it's probably the one you, you spot a, at least an i7 processor, I presume. Um, so yeah, it's it's a very good machine and uh, it's very light as well, and a long battery life. So the battery life, as far as I know, on the eight, it's, it's probably a minimum of ten hours. So. I don't have the eight myself. I think it's a six I have, but uh, that you yeah. used to have a good battery. But over over the years, the battery does reduce in in uh, time. So, uh, but that's just the same with any product. But yeah, the, the, for I suppose the pros of it anyway is um, yeah, it's uh, solid state drive. It's got a good battery life and it's small, small and light, and it's, it's a power device. Exactly. Um, yeah, and so somebody who might be considering that, there's a, a few pounds to be saved this um, Black Friday. Um, the final of the online ones that I had a look at um, from Apple and Apple are a little bit different in how they celebrate Black Friday. They have a four day event which starts on Black Friday the 26th and runs all the way through to 27th, uh, 28th and Cyber Monday. I suppose it, uh, Black Friday's uh, poor cousin. The technology deals are all supposed to come out on the uh, Cyber Monday, the 29th of November. So just a quick twirl of the um, offers that they're given with um, iPhones. And you get a 50 euro Apple Store gift card on iPhone 12, 12 mini and the iPhone SE 2020. Um, on the AirPods, uh, depending on the model you choose, um, you're getting up to 75 euro Apple Store gift card. Um, the Apple Watch, um, they get a 50 euro Apple Store gift card there again and up to a 100 euro uh, gift card uh, coming with the iPad Pros. So the iPad Pro 11 and 12.9. And if someone's looking to get a Mac, um, a Mac notebook or a Mac mini, a uh, 100 euro gift card and 200 euro one if you go for the 27 inch iMac. So that's just uh, that's just some of the Apple deals that are online. Oh, yeah, the Beats as well. They're giving a fifty euros uh, uh, gift card. Probably what I would imagine is you know somebody who's planning on getting, um, you know, getting getting a uh, getting a particular device off Apple, they might turn around and re-gift the gift card to somebody else who might get use out of it. Somebody who's into buying their films or their music or whatever from the Apple store. So that's Apple. Um, next, uh, we'll, we'll go across to the bricks and mortar shops. Um, 
DID Electrical, this is one I found myself, Joe. Um, somebody who might want a second monitor for either hooking their laptop into, you know, at a home station or uh, hooking onto their existing computer. DID Electrical, they have a 27-inch Hewlett-Packard monitor uh, down from 219 to 149. That is, that is good, I think. That's very good, yeah. Yeah. Going back there to the um, Apple devices there, um, yeah, the, the the fifty euro. I suppose it is something. It's 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 a good discount on the um, if you're getting it off the Apple watches and things like that. I suppose it's mm-hmm. uh, about ten percent off off those those products. Um, but haven't we? Don't we sell the blind shell classic two as well? Fifty euros cheaper than anywhere else, as far as I know. NCBA. We do. We do. Yeah. Um, I had, I had for those there, people but... who like for those people who like button phones. <laughs> That's right for the yeah for the button phone um the the blind shell uh, t- classic two is is currently fifty euro uh, lower than directly from the manufacturer's website um that's that's uh, another good phone that actually we're going to be uh, in one of our future live events here Joe will be telling us about it now after we finish here and that we will be talking with uh, Blindshell who have released a new Blindshell 2 phone so definitely listen out for that one uh, coming up yeah um, and, um, Daniel we don't want to leave Google out this is us there's a couple of things yes. I think on their website uh, Google Nest Audio was 20 hours off so as I remember down from 100 down to 80 and then on Curry's I seen the Google Chromecast with Google TV was was 70 down to 49 euros so down to 50 euros basically that's very um, good so a google chromecast tv it's a great streaming device you can put netflix disney plus on it and it has a full talkback screen reader um installed so um you should be able that's to get around remote. is there a remote that you can speak to it as well on that now yeah and you can use the the um Wake word. Well, I say it. Well, hey Google, you can use the, use the hey Google wake word to um uh, say stuff like um play uh, Mickey Mouse on Disney Plus or whatever you know. So you, yeah, you have so, to get it in there, Joe. After you have to get in there, yeah. I know. <laughs> after taking all the precautions of putting the you know using the button on the speaker earlier. Yeah, I was hoping Sean. I'm hoping Sean would be listening. I might set off his phone or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And another bricks and mortar shop, um, Harvey Norman. Um, uh, they have a Wi-Fi extender, um, TP-Link one. I think it's twenty-five euro down to fifteen. Wi-Fi yeah. extender, good investment, Joe. Yeah, be, be useful. I suppose with, with all of us told to work from home again. Um, yeah. We got let out for a while there, and now we're told to work home again. <laughs> uh, work from home again. So we, you could be thrown out. To the garage by the wife or whatever and either internet mightn't be as good out there um so uh you can plug in the wi-fi extender and it might help you a bit in that department um improve the wi-fi through the thick walls or maybe even in the, gar- in the, the office shed or the outdoor office something like that so the wi-fi, wifi extender there are probably home plugs out there too to do the same job but um yeah there that's that was one of the deals we spotted yeah it is and that's going from harvey oh, so it's just staying with harvey norman um the tile 2022 new version um that was 25 euro down to 18. tell us a little bit about the time uh, the tile mate what yeah tile mate um, it's an object uh, i suppose it's a finder device uh, you can attach to, attach to your keys or um other other um objects that you might 
lose regularly. Maybe, <laughs> possibly, you could, you could tape it to the remote control or something like that. But um, it has a range. It connects to, to your uh, smart device via Bluetooth, and it has a range of uh, approximately 76 meters. So, um, which is a decent uh, amount, considering if you drop something out in the gar while you're doing the gardening or something. Um, mm -hmm. It is waterproof, well, to a certain extent. There's an IP rating of of, of certain waterproof on it, so um, it might it might survive a, a few showers of rain. You know what I mean? So if you if you yeah. drop something out in the garden and um, you can uh, press a button in the app and it'll make a, it'll play a sound and uh, you can locate the device. A little bit like AirTag, Apple AirTags as well. That's what um, I was just about to say. Yeah, it's it sounds like a competitor uh, of the Apple uh, the Apple Tags and yeah. they also do a credit card sized one. I found that thirty yeah, euro down really, to twenty four. Really useful, actually. Yeah, you can slip it into your wallet, um, and uh, maybe some. Phone cases have little um, credit card holders at the back. You could slip it into the back of the back of your phone, or um, mm. if if you didn't have a, a Find My app on certain smartphones, you mightn't have the Find My app, or uh, maybe somebody Android one, maybe maybe not have that ability, or you mightn't have two devices to to find your phone. So they're they're useful uh, things you might use the credit card um, the device tile made for. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the tile uh, for the credit. Is there a name on the tile one for the that's that has it's the tile card slim. Tile, tile slim, slim, that was it. Yeah, it called, yeah. So you have tile mate and tile slim. Yeah. And uh, I got just got briefly back to the tile mates. They also do uh, kind of a bulk pack where you think you can get three or four in a pack, and it's um it's at a discount price as well from Harvey Norman in his Black Friday sale. So definitely worth checking down some of those products. Oh, just before we leave, um. Harvey Norman shop. Um, the Nokia 105, Joe. <laughs> Nokia 105, excellent. Is it something similar to the 3310 we had back in the day? It is. Yeah, this is this is um, the reiteration of the Nokia push button phone that we all had loved so dearly. Actually, I think some of them that we might have charged there in 1999, there's still a bit of battery left in it. That's, um, a, that's a really good phone to give to your uh, 10 or 12 year old when they go out with their friends. Although they might be embarrassed to take it out in front of their friends, wouldn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone might look at what's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All those buttons do. How do you use that? <laughs> so yeah, that this little Nokia, um, it's down from thirty euro down to twenty two. Little bit of a saving there. Um, even for the uh, novelty factor, I think doesn't play the snake game. Everybody loved that, didn't they? Oh, it's a great game. <laughs> Great game, <laughs> Della. Yeah. This is great crack. I've stayed for the whole event. <laughs> so, Adela, have we have we got, given you some gift ideas for for the Christmas coming up? Um, maybe, maybe yeah. I might have a little look at Amazon later. Yeah, yeah. There's a few, a few nice little bits and bobs um, that we've covered here. Look, I suppose we're coming to the end of this segment um, of of the stuff that I found. I really didn't have a fierce amount of time to go shopping. Um, you know, it was just nice to get across a couple of websites and see what the different re retailers. You know, our local Irish retailers as well as I suppose the more international ones that we're familiar with in the likes of your Apple and Amazon's and Google's. But we do have a few home retailers that are well worth a visit as well. They do um, try and provide great local offers as well. So it's worth going to the bricks and mortar store and checking That's those out one, too. One excuse for buying Irish is at least you'll, you'll avoid some customs charges, uh, I suppose. Yeah. That's yes. one, one excuse That's to buy Irish. Yeah, yeah. 
which is yeah yeah as well well worth mentioning as well so yeah quite a quite a few good deals there so thanks for taking us through that daniel and joe um good to good to hear about that and it can be like a little bit of a shortcut for people as well just to hear about what the what the deals are so thanks for looking thanks, up at Jude. those uh, deals as well mm-hmm. very good so we're just about at the end of the show and uh, we've just time very quickly to cover our tech news so first up in tech news um probably a good time to remind you about an event that we've spoken about before in our live events we talked about the site tech global event well that's on next week so that's december 1st and 2nd as we mentioned previously the idea behind the event is to really showcase and even more so provide an opportunity for discussion of the cutting edge technologies that can be harnessed to make advancement in assistive technology so some of the speakers include scott adams of google who's the product manager of lookout jeffrey bigham um, research lead for ai accessibility at apple You've got Will Butler from Be My Eyes, Secreted Chadra uh, from uh, the product mo- manager at Spotify, and uh, Ned Desmond, of course, the founder of Site Tech Global, and plenty more as well. So if you want to get the full details there, you can go to sitetechglobal.com and it's free to register. So it's a free event that you can enjoy as well. So that event is on the 1st and 2nd of December, and the agenda is on the website. Next up, there's a, a new feature in Windows, I believe, Daniel. Yeah, well, more Microsoft Office to be, uh, to yeah. be truthful. It, um, yeah. It's across all versions of Microsoft Office, so whether it's the 365 or the 2016, 2019 versions, or even the new 2021 version that's um, coming on stream. It, uh, and now, it now allows you to enable dark mode, and it doesn't matter which of the Microsoft Office programs you're going to, to do this. So whether you're going to Excel and do it, or whether you do it in Word, or whether you do it in Outlook, it's it copies across to, to all the rest. So if I change the um, the appearance of Office in Microsoft Word, it's going to change it in Excel, and it's going to change it in Outlook. So you don't have to keep going into each of these little programs to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we've got is, I suppose, it's not officially called Dark Team, but it's Dark Team. So you go into either, any of your Office programs, go straight for the file, and you go for Options, and you're brought straight away to the General tab. And just a wee bit down that page, there's a section called Personalize Your Copy of Microsoft Office. Now, this is newly added here, so uh, you mightn't have come across this before. And in there, you can just uh, tab the way down and what you've got to uh, just tab, I think it's twice down. Well, I know I'll just bring it up here. Uh, yeah, it's tab down three, three to four times. You can change your office team um, to black. You have dark gray, you have white, use your system setting or colorful. So the black one there is what we'd refer to as dark mode. So that's um, that's in, in there as well. What it does then, um, it'll change the background to black and your text to white without interfering with the icon colors or the icon shapes or anything like that. So it is true dark mode for all of your office programs. Well worth taking a look at that. And I suppose one thing I'll mention about it, um, I know it's probably more suitable for the low vision community, but for anyone who might be using a portable device such as a laptop or, or the Microsoft Surface Pro, even enabling that will help um, in, uh, stretch out the battery life because darker screens take less power to yeah, illuminate. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. So the more dark mode you've got going on, um, the less 
the less uh, power is going to be consumed from the battery or from your regular power source. Uh, and therefore you get, you know, get longer life out of the battery and you're doing a little bit for the environment as well in fighting climate change. Yeah, that, How about that? as well. Yeah, that's it. That's thrown in for, for a bonus there, is it? It <laughs> is. <laughs> Excellent. So really good. So that's handy to, to keep track of as well. Very good. So that brings our show to a close today. Hope you've enjoyed the discussion. Please do let us know as well if there's anything that you'd like us to cover in a future show as well. So uh, just a reminder that if you need technology assistance, you can get support from the labs team from nine to five, Monday to Friday on 1800-911-110, or you can email labs at ncbi.ie. Or if you want to avail of wider NCBI services, you can call 1850 334353 or email info at ncbi.ie. Of course, we always appreciate your support of NCBI. And if you'd like to make a donation to help support our services, you can do that through donate.ncbi.ie. Just before we go, just a reminder of what we'll be talking about in future live events. We're going to be talking about the Blind Shell 2. So that's going to be coming up in our next live event. I think uh, Daniel and Joe mentioned the Blind Shell 2 there, but we'll have a little bit more of a, a deeper look at that in our next live event. We're also going to be talking about some of the points from the, the Site Tech Global event. We're going to be talking about the NCBI Smart Hub soon as well. And of course, the start of um, the world, the start of the, the next year uh, in January, we're going to have the World Braille Day is going to be coming up on uh, January 4th, I think, the event on January 4th. So we'll be talking about that then. Just a reminder that our next show is in two weeks' time, Tuesday, December 7th, at the usual time. Of that's 2:30. the last one of the year, um, Jude. So that's going to be, yeah, that's the next one. Yeah, so just one left. We'll have reached 60 uh, at that point. So, one before yeah. Christmas. 60 i tell you what 60 in the in these two years it's been we've covered a lot of stuff and there's a few new changes as well coming next year to the to the live event so uh, we'll still be bringing plenty of quality content but there'll be a, a few changes to the format even a change of name coming up <laughs> imagine that so uh keep your eyes open for that and uh, listen out for the the changes we'll talk about that maybe in, a, in our next live event as well if you want to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events as well as uh, plenty more tips and uh, uh, news as well. You can subscribe to our newsletter on our website or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to do that. So all that's left for me to do today is to thank our guests, Leonie Watson, Joe Lonergan and Adela Bulliman. And of course, thanks to everyone for listening in as well from Daniel and myself. Goodbye for now. And we look forward to having you all back with us soon for another NCBI Labs live event. <laughs>